Lord, we need you. Lord, many of us are tired of nice services and nice sermons. We need to hear your voice. We came to encounter your glory. Lord, I pray that you'd rid me of fear of man this morning. Give me the boldness to stand and say everything that you've asked me to say. Anoint my lips. Holy Spirit, have your way in this congregation. Lord, there are hard hearts here. There are cold hearts here. There are tired hearts here. Holy Spirit, come and move and breathe on everyone. We trust you. We love you. You're glorious. You're glorious, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Well, Martin Luther was in a season of depression and was feeling low and emotional. And his wife, Katerina, she like a good wife, she goes and puts on all black and she dresses herself for a funeral. She comes out into the, to the room where Martin Luther's sitting and Martin Luther says, so who's died? She says, apparently God has died with the way that you're acting. <laughs> he said he perked up and got his attitude right real quick. As we study today, I want you to know that that Jesus is alive. He's on the throne. You can throw yourself in a panic about the political upheaval. You can throw yourself in a panic about the virus. You can throw yourself in a panic about whether or not the economy is going to rebound the way that you want it to rebound. But I want you to know Jesus is still on the throne. He's good. So Acts chapter 1 today, we'll move into the part of the narrative where Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father. We talked last week about Jesus telling the disciples that they should wait in Jerusalem for the power of the Holy Spirit. And when they receive the promise of the Father, the power of the Spirit, then they would be his witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We realize today that that was the last conversation that Jesus had in his flesh before he ascended. Remember, Jesus says in John 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send them to you. Now, this is the moment where he goes. And in just a few days will be the moment when he sends the Spirit. He will no longer appear to them in the flesh. He will ascend to the Father. So let's read Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verse 9 through 11 today. And we're going to look at the ascension of Jesus from every angle. Not every angle, but we're going to try to look around it and ask the question, what does the ascension mean for us? What does the ascension mean for us? Acts chapter 1 verse 9. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? 
This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. So they watch. Jesus has just told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit, remembering that when he goes, he'll send the Spirit. It'll be better for them that he goes because then the Spirit will come. And they watch as clouds of heaven sweep Jesus up and they stare on. And here we run into a heap of prophetic imagery. We've talked about this before. If you missed our series on Psalm 110, uh, we, I guess we did that last year sometime. It would be a good place to go if these ideas are new to you. But let's look together at Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. This prophecy from Daniel is profoundly important to the New Testament. Profoundly important. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel, at the time of the Babylonian captivity, some roughly 600 years before this period, said he saw in the night vision and there was one like the son of man, like a son of man, who ascended to the heavens on a cloud. And he looked as the ancient of days gave this one who ascended to heaven all power and dominion and glory and said that all peoples of the earth should worship him. Now Jesus refers to this prophecy on multiple occasions. You'll remember that he continually calls himself son of man. He wants you to remember the words of Daniel when he says, I saw one like a son of man. He told the disciples at the Great Commission, Go therefore, all authority on heaven, all authority on earth has been given to me. He appeals to Daniel chapter 7 that all authority, all dominion, all power belongs to this messianic figure who would ascend in the clouds of heaven. All peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. Do you serve him this morning? Is he your Lord this morning? Have you honored his role as the rightful Lord of heaven and earth? Do you bow before his dominion? The realization that the ascension of Christ is the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy and other Old Testament prophecies concerning the one like a son of man who would ascend to the right hand of the Father, it leads us to ponder the rule of Christ as he's seated at the right hand of God. Remember again Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Here the psalmist prophesies the moment when Jesus would ascend on the clouds of heaven and the Lord, Yahweh, would say to his Lord, Adonai, sit down now at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool, till the entirety of creation comes and bows before you. The author of Hebrews in chapter 1 wrote in verse 3 through 4 concerning Jesus, He 
is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name as he is inherited is more excellent than theirs. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 in that prayer where he prays that the, the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, he says in verse 20 and 21, that you would, he's praying that you would become aware of the power that he, God, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, listen to me this morning, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. The Father seated Jesus at his right hand, far above, not just a little above, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. So what we've just learned is that the prophets in the Old Testament, the psalmists in the Old Testament, they prophesied and spoke of the time when the one like a son of man would ascend to heaven in the clouds of heaven. And father would tell the son to sit down and wait until the whole earth came under his dominion. Then the author of Hebrews tells us that he did sit down. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us that he did sit down as God gave him the name which is above all names, the name of Jesus. Jesus is crowned king there on the throne of heaven. So I'd like to ask you just a few questions this morning. I'd like to ask the text, examine the lordship of Jesus. The first question we'll appeal to. How far does his dominion stretch? Well, the scripture tells us that he rules and reigns over both heaven and earth. All of the universe exists under his dominion. The heaven is his thrones and the earth are his footstool. There is no name by which any man should be saved except the name of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father lest they come through him. He is the highest king of all creation, all existence, every region, the rich and the poor alike, every ethnic group, red, yellow, black, and white, they belong to Jesus. Every tribe, every region, Jesus is Lord of them all. He is not only king, he is the king of all kings, the king who is above every king, every politician who will submit to the lordship of Jesus. Every elected official, every monarch of old, he is the king above all kings. There is a higher, more supreme king. His name is Jesus. They do not have final say. Jesus has final say. Angels and demons alike, they will submit to the name of Jesus. He is the Lord of the natural realm and the spiritual realm. The demons shudder at the name of Jesus. Principalities flee at the name of Jesus. He is king, Lord of them all. His dominion encompasses all of existence, including you, including your family. Choose today who you'll serve. Next, I'd like to ask the question, how long shall his kingdom endure? Well, 
The scripture says that his kingdom is everlasting. There is no term limit. There is no election cycle. There is no means by which we can argue that as a modern society, we have surpassed such simple thinking. No, he's the king of this age. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All of history, past, present, and future, is under his lordship. That's why the author of Revelation calls him the Alpha, the beginning, and the Omega, the first. And by God, he'll be the last. You may put your trust in modern education. You may decide that you're too intellectual to submit to that kind of old thinking. But it was true yesterday, and it's true today. And I promise you that on your last day, when you take your last breath, it'll be true then too. He's not just the God of our forefathers, not just the God of the Puritans. He's the God of today and tomorrow, and he is on the throne. And he will be on the throne for all of eternity. His kingdom, the prophet said, shall not be destroyed. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. Hell may wrestle against him, but she will crumble under his authority. The gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. He will triumph. How long will his kingdom endure forever, for all of eternity? Well then, if his dominion stretches over all existence, all space, and it will last throughout all the time, we can begin to ask more specific questions concerning his kingdom, like, by what rule does he govern? Or in other words, how do we know how we are to submit to this kingdom? Well, his kingdom is everlasting, and he rules and reigns by his everlasting word, the holy word of God. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall remain forever. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. He is the reigning king. He's given us an authoritative word. The scripture paints again in Revelation the picture of Jesus returning with the sword from his mouth. The disciples at the Great Commission are told to teach all the nations all that he taught them to submit to all of his rule. Your opinion carries no weight in the kingdom of God. There is no voting concerning the, the rule of Christ. There is no political debate nor discourse concerning how the church should operate and function. It is established for all of eternity in the word. And when this earth is consumed, when the heavens wrap up like a scroll, this word will remain forever. Do you honor it? Do you read it? Do you love it? Do you cherish it? Do you submit to it? Has it sat on your coffee table with dust on it? Do you read it in your home? You say, by God, we need the Bibles back in our schools. By God, we need the Bibles back in our homes. 
Oh, the problem with America is we have no prayer in church. Oh, we have no if prayer in schools. We have no prayer in our homes. Do you love his word? Well, you could say that's all well and good, Caleb. He's a king who reigns over the universe forever. He's established dominion by his word. But what does that have to do with me? In other words, how will he bring justice, finality to his kingdom? At what point will his kingdom be finally established? Will it ever mean something to me? Well, the disciples stand looking towards the sky. And two angels appear. Why are you looking up, staring off in the air? He will return in the same way in which you saw him go. What does that have to do with you? There's a day quickly coming when he will return. And on that day, the dead will rise from all generations. The saints of old used to say, oh, Dr. Campbell Morgan, I'm losing his name, used to say, why did Jesus say, Lazarus, come out? Because if he just said, come out, everybody would have gotten up. (laughs) The dead will rise to meet him. All men for all ages will stand before his throne and no one will escape his eyes and no one will be able to hide their rebellion and he will bring justice and his rule is final there is no court of appeals Have you considered the judgment seat of Christ lately? Oh, you may say, I'm living in a slumber and that doesn't really matter to me. Oh, that distant people have been looking unto Jesus forever. Oh, when will he return? Life's quicker than you know. Your next breath isn't promised. And when you breathe your last, you'll be snatched into eternity. Consider his throne. The author of Hebrews wanted us to know that his ascension was not only a rise to his throne, but his ascension was the ascension of the high priest rising to the holy of holies. And so, in in one sense, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But even in the ascension, we see a way for those to receive forgiveness and mercy. It's that Jesus is not only your king, he's your high priest. And he offered blood on your behalf. Have you received it? Will you receive it or are you too proud? Will you stand before God with your own integrity, ready to spout all of your good works? You think for one sliver of a moment you can stand next to Jesus? The standard is his holy word.
Your only hope is to receive him as your high priest. And this high priest, this holy king who sits on the throne of heaven, he's not one who knows nothing of our suffering and pain. He sits on the throne of heaven with scars in his hands, scars in his side, with a back that's been torn up and beaten. He carried before heaven his own holy blood. Those who come to Christ in forgiveness will be, in repentance, will receive forgiveness and be washed. But those who refuse will stand before the great white throne of judgment. You refuse to come to Christ. There's a day coming quickly where you'll stand before God. And the entirety of your life will be laid bare. Oh, you may hide from your spouse what goes on in your thought life. You may hide from your spouse what goes on on your computer screen. But you will not hide it from the omnipotent God of heaven. It will be made known. You may be able to present a persona in the community that you're this righteous and upright person, but when you stand before God, all will be seen. Your life on a movie reel, if you will. There are some here today who slumber. Wake up and tremble before God. Wake up and tremble. And believers, don't forget believers that Paul says we ought to be careful how we build, how we live, because our works will be tested by fire on the last day. And many of us will see our life work tested and burned up. All of your efforts consumed as hay and stubble. You did nothing of significance for this king you built selfishly and arrogantly and you will have no reward in heaven. Yes, you will be saved as by fire, Paul said, but believers, you too will be judged. Your works will be judged and whether or not you receive eternal reward will be based on the life that you live. Yes, forgiveness and mercy and atonement in the blood of Jesus, but your works will be tested by fire. And many on the last day will have nothing to show for themselves. Paul said they'll be saved, oh, as through fire. And you'll spend all of eternity saying, I should have, I could have, I should have prayed more, should have given more. Well, the scriptures doesn't say that there'll be no tears in heaven. It says that Jesus will wipe them away. There'll be reason to moan and cry. But others have built with gold and silver and precious stone. And their lives will bear eternal reward. Saints, believers, your sins will never be held over your head. They are cast as far as the east is from the west. You will be celebrated in Christ, received in Jesus. But your works, too, will be tested. You, too, will stand before him. Do you long to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant? He is the final judge. The judgment is coming quickly. And I'm sorry... I apologize that from the pulpits in our country, what you've heard is that life's about you being happy and life's about you prospering and life's about your destiny. I'm sorry that what we have is a stale society 
stale church. But I have to tell you that there's a day coming quickly. Men, wake up. Women, wake up. Is there any oil in your lamp? Are you prepared for the coming of Christ? Have you loved His Lordship? Because there's a day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess. You either bow now willingly or you will be forced to bow. Every knee bows. Somebody from the worship team come. As we continue on in the narrative of Acts, we need to keep in mind the idea that Jesus says, it will be better for you when I go because I'll send the Spirit. But here today we've discussed where did He go and what is He doing? And when will He come? How will He come? His territory, His dominion is all-inclusive. You could say, oh, I didn't grow up in a Christian community. Oh, that doesn't matter a bit. There is no corner of the earth that is not rightfully his. And his reign transcends all of eternity. Hell may look like she's prospering out there today, but she will not defeat his kingdom. And it's his word you ought to love. Put your face in his word again. And he'll bring judgment on the last day, justice on the last day. The graves will vomit up all of their prey and will stand before him. Many will receive atonement, forgiveness because of the blood of Jesus. Others will stand before the great white throne and receive eternal punishment because they've rejected him. Have you thought about what it means to be cast in outer darkness where there's great weeping and gnashing of teeth? You say, oh, Caleb, you're a harsh preacher. No, that was Jesus' words. All of our works will be tried by fire. He is the resurrected King, the Lord of both heaven and earth. Do you know him? Not do you know about him. Not do you have some form of theological understanding. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you fear him? Have you set the eye of your heart to gaze upon him alone? Is he your king? Is he your Lord? stand to your feet. Our altar ministers, if you guys would get in place, let's pray for a moment. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to begin to convict hearts. Pray with me. Jesus, Lord, there are many here who have lived in slumber, both believers and unbelievers alike. Wake us up this morning, God. 
revive us again over in the heavens and come down. Bring the fire of the spirit to consume all the staleness inside of our bones. Can these dry bones live? Only you know, Lord. Breathe, Holy Spirit. Lord, many of us have lived as if we are our own kings, our own lords, as if our opinions, they transcend yours. Forgive us, have mercy, God. Have mercy on us now. Have mercy on us now. Have mercy on us now. As I pray, if you need to get right with God, I want to ask you to come and receive prayer for one of these altar ministers. I'm going to continue to pray and worship for a moment. I want to ask you not to be crippled by the fear of man. There's a day when men around you will not matter. There are eyes, there are higher eyes on you. So the altars are open, come. If you've been dry and you just need to relay yourself down, come. A bruised reed, he doesn't break. A smoldering wick, he won't put out. Oh God, come. Oh God, come. Oh God, show us your glory. Jesus, Jesus, sing for us just for a moment. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Breathe. Call these bones to breathe. Jesus, Jesus. Call these lungs to see once again. I will praise. Breathe. Call these bones to breathe. Call these lungs to see once again. I will praise Jesus. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Shadows can't deny your name. 
before we officially dismiss, we as a pastoral staff and prayer team, um, we just pray and ask the Lord before service if he's speaking to anything, if um, there's anything specifically he wants to maybe do in a specific person's life. And and so as we were praying, um, we actually felt that there were a couple of different things. Um, The first thing was that there was someone that's come um, with some pain in their left ankle and that the Lord wants to heal that this morning. There's also some people that are struggling with some, maybe some um, intestinal, um, some inner intestinal like bowel stuff, just whether that's large intestine or small intestine and that um, the Lord wants to heal that person of that today. And then finally, um, the Lord just dropped the name Harold, whether that was a business or a specific name um, or if that's someone that you know. So if that's you this morning, if any of those things, if you're watching online, if any of those things um, highlighted to you or maybe spoke to you, we just highly encourage you to come down and get ministered to um, by one of our prayer ministers. If you would, you just raise your hands. We're just going to believe the Lord to heal, and then we'll dismiss this morning. Father, we speak to those things right now in the name of Jesus. We know that you are, you are God, you are ruler. And there is no detail in our life that is too small for you to address. You see everything, Father. You love us. And so if someone's come in here with ankle pain, we we pray healing in Jesus' name. We pray, Father, for anyone that's struggling with intestinal issues, we pray healing in Jesus' name. And if there's someone in in this congregation or someone watching online in the name Harold, whether that's family member, that's a business, that's themselves. Father, we know that you know exactly what that means to that person. And so, Father, just before we dismiss, we just declare that you are God. You are ruler, you are king, and you are Lord over our lives. And there really is no darkness that can put out your light. And you've called us to be the salt and light of the earth. And so, Father, we pray that as we walk out of these doors, that we would be representations of the light, that we would not fear the darkness, that although we may feel like the darkness is surrounding us and is becoming greater and greater, we know that there is a light that cannot be put out, and his name is Jesus. He has overcome, and in the end, he wins. And so we declare that, we look forward to that. You are our great hope, Jesus. It's in your matchless and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. The worship team is going to stay up here. If any of those words did resonate, we we just um, encourage you to step up and, and get prayed for by a prayer minister. We love you guys and we hope you have a great week.